Welcome to Murderers and Monsters. Before we begin today, a brief warning. Contents may be disturbing and language may be explicit and inappropriate for young listeners. So listener discretion is advised. Hey y'all, we're back. Um, so I have a quick, just a little quick episode for y'all today. But before we get started, I want to tell y'all about something that I think is kind of funny. I think it might be yellow. I think it's kind of cute too. Um, when we do the research, we, as a true crime genre, and do the research for our episodes and for our podcasts and things like that, um, we all have a go-to. We have a laptop. We have a phone. We have Kindle for books and stuff like that. Y'all, speaking of the books thing, it's where I'm headed right now. Let me tell you. So a good friend of mine, she knows about an episode that I'm working on with some research right now and everything. And she came to me this morning because I spoke to her husband yesterday and I was talking to him about it because he knows a little bit of background on it. She came to me this morning and she was like, hey, I got something for you. And I was like, okay. She said, I went and picked you something up today from the library. And I was like, really? She said, yeah, I got you these two books. Girl, people, everybody, books, y'all, books. Do you know how long it's been since I've been to the damn library? So today was my half a day from work. And you know where I had to go? Straight to that damn library, y'all. I tell you what. I ain't been to the damn library in so long. I had to get a new library card, y'all. Shit. Anyway. Excellent place for research. Got three books. I got... Okay, anybody that follows true crime and shit. I got the book... I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. Y'all, ever since I've been interested in true crime, ever since I started listening to the true crime podcasts, however many years ago it's been, um, I've been wanting to read the book I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. And I am holding it in my hand as we speak. Can y'all hear it? I got the book, people. The book. I also got two other books, too. I got a crime dictionary, and then I got... um. A book called The House of Secrets. Look, I don't I don't know about y'all, but I, hey, y'all want to start a book club? Y'all want to do some book reviews? Anything like that? Because I am here for it. Y'all hear me? But anyway, we're going to go ahead and we're going to start this episode today. Um, when I was on a different platform, as far as being able to put my episodes out and things like that, um, I was on a different platform and I had already done a couple of cases on that platform and I couldn't. I guess I wasn't smart enough to know how to pull those from that platform over to the platform that I'm on now. So I lost the first two that I had done, but this is one of them. So today we're going to be talking about Colleen Stan or the girl in the box. Colleen Stan, she was born on December the 31st of 1956. She was kidnapped and held as a sex slave by Cameron and Janice Hooker in Red Bluff, California for seven years between 1977 and 84 so on may the 19th of 1977 colleen stan was hitchhiking from her home in eugene oregon to a friend's home in northern california she was headed there for a birthday party but nobody was really expecting her she was kind of sort of gonna just surprise her friend so with that being said nobody really knew to look for her or that she was supposed to be there at a certain time and that she didn't make it So Cameron Hooker, he kidnapped 20-year-old Colleen after picking her up hitchhiking. 
she stated later that she was an experienced hitchhiker and she had allowed two rides to go past before she accepted the ride with the hookers. She said that she had had um, two different people pull up. One was a uh, man by himself and then another one had a couple of younger dudes in the car and she just didn't feel comfortable with that. So whenever the hookers pulled up, she said she felt confident into climbing in the blue van um, because the hooker's wife, Janice, and their baby were in the car. A little while later, they had stopped at a gasoline a gas station <clears throat> Excuse me, along the way. Um, she got out and went to use the bathroom, and she said, and I quote, A voice told me to run and jump out the window and never look back, end quote. But she calmed her fears, and she went back, and she got in the car. According to her, uh, according to Colleen and Janice Hooker's testimonies later on, Hooker pulled off the side of the road um, and put a knife to Colleen's throat once they were alone in an isolated area. She was subsequently locked in a wooden head box that was designed to prevent light, sound, and fresh air from entering. Before this kidnapping had taken place, um, he and Janice had reached an agreement that he could capture a slave to take Janice's place because up until that point, Cameron had been using Janice to act out sexual bondage because that was his thing. There was to be no penetrative, penetrative sex with Stan, Colleen, uh, according to the agreement, but this later changed. On the first night of her kidnapping, she was strung up by her hands, physically attacked by Cameron, and left blindfolded and suspended while the pair had sex below her. After her kidnapping, Colleen stated that she was tortured and kept locked in a box for 23 hours a day until she was given a contract and forced to sign herself into slavery for life in January of 1978. In view from the box, propped up against her purse um, under the bed, was a photo of Marie Elizabeth Spanicky, a previous victim whose body was never found. She further stated that Cameron led her to believe that she was being watched by a large and powerful organization called The Company, which would painfully torture her and harm her family if she tried to escape. Colleen subsequently became a slave referred to as K, just the letter K, and she was forced to call Cameron Master and was not allowed to talk without permission. Cameron reportedly wanted Colleen to be like the female character in the 1954 French erotic novel, The Story of O. Now, I had to look up what The Story of O is, and I'm just going to give you all a brief rundown of it. The Story of O is a tale of female submission involving a beautiful Parisian fashion photographer named O, who is taught to be constantly available for oral, vaginal, and anal intercourse, offering herself to any male who belongs to the same secret society as her lover. She is regularly stripped, blindfolded, chained, and whipped. Her anus is widened by increasingly large plugs. Her labium is pierced, and her buttocks are branded. All right, that, that's that's a lot. <laughs> that That's a lot, y'all. But that's what Cameron wanted from her, from Colleen. Cameron soon started raping her, which consisted of oral rape. Cameron did not want to have vaginal sex with Colleen because he considered that to be a breach in his agreement with his wife. Instead, he raped her vaginally and anally with implements. After this, the Hooker family moved to a mobile home in Red Bluff with Colleen, where she was kept locked in wooden boxes under the couple's waterbed. In 1978, Janice gave birth to a second child right there on the waterbed above where Colleen was. Colleen said that her faith in God and belief in a chance of escape helped her to survive. Her greatest fear, which was Cameron, which Cameron reinforced daily, was the company. To avoid painful punishments... Colleen tried to comply with what he wanted, um, which later led her, later led 
her to be allowed to go out to jog, work in the yard, and care for the family's children in the mobile home, and to help him build bigger accommodations, like an underground dungeon, for more slaves. Even with an open door, neighbors, and a telephone, she made no attempt to escape. According to Colleen, her fear of the company kept her from trying to get help. Additionally, Colleen was allowed to visit her family by herself in 1981, but she didn't reveal her situation due to her fear of the possible consequences. Her family thought she was involved in a cult because of the homemade clothes, the lack of money, and the absence of communication over the years. They did not want to pressure her because they were scared that she would stay away forever. So the next day, Colleen returned for her second visit, this time with Cameron Hooker posing as her boyfriend. At the trial, Colleen explained that she was happy about visiting her family, who were therefore able to take a photograph of her and Cameron happily smiling together. If you look up anything on this case, you'll see that that's one of the pictures, and it's super fucking creepy. According to Colleen, Cameron feared that he had given the slave too much freedom, the, the slave being her, and he took her back to his mobile home where he locked her in the wooden box under his waterbed. She remained in the box 23 hours a day for the next three years. Bodily functions were dealt with by her using a bedpan, which she posi positioned under herself with her feet. It was stated in court that Cameron's children were told Kay had gone home. However, once his children had gone to bed, Cameron would take Colleen out of the box to feed and torture her. She was reportedly not allowed to make any noise and had to lie still 23 hours a day in the dark with little air to breathe. During the summer, those conditions were especially bad on her, as the temperature in the box would rise to over 100 degrees. To feed herself, she ate scraps of food. It wasn't until 1983 that Colleen was reintroduced to the children and the neighbors, and she was also allowed to get a job at, as a maid at a hotel. Cameron wanted Colleen to become his second wife, which was a turning point for Janice. Janice confessed that, starting with their first date, that she had also been tortured, brainwashed, and referred to as a whore over the years by Cameron. Janice further stated that she had survived their relationship by engaging in denial and... All right, hold on. I have a hard time saying this word. Compartmentalization. There we go. By August of 1984, Janice began struggling with herself and went to Colleen in order to inform her that Hooker was not, was not a part of the company, that that organization didn't even exist. In a televised interview for The Girl in the Box, Colleen told the interviewer that she then went to a bus station and phoned Cameron to inform him that she was leaving him and that he reacted by bursting into tears. Colleen subsequently caught a bus home. In the months that followed, she did not contact the police, but continued to call Cameron regularly. She explained this at trial by saying that she wanted to give Cameron, at Janice's request, a chance to reform. Three months later, Janice reported her husband to the police. She informed Lieutenant Jerry D. Brown of the Red Bluff Police that Cameron had kidnapped, tortured, and murdered Marie Elizabeth Spanicky, who had disappeared on January 31st of 1976. Authorities were unable to locate the remains of the woman due to the lack of physical proof. No murder charges were brought. Chris Hatcher, a forensic uh, psychologist and criminal profiler, testified for Cameron's prosecution at the start of the 1985 trial, and Janice testified against her husband in exchange for full immunity. In the end, Cameron was sentenced to a consecutive prison term totaling 104 years for sexual assault, kidnapping, and using a knife in the process. Originally ineligible for parole until 2023, he had his hearing date moved up by seven years to 2015 in California's elderly parole program. On April the 16th of 2015, his request for parole was denied. 
and, and Cameron will be eligible for another parole hearing in 2030. However, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, California officials contacted Colleen and advised her that they were looking into possibly granting Cameron parole in March of 2021. Instead of a parole hearing, authorities scheduled a hearing in September of 2021 to decide if Cameron should be classified as a sexually violent predator, which would result in his his civil commitment to a state hospital. After the trial, Colleen studied for an accounting degree, and as reported by Mara Bobson in a March 9, 2014 New York Daily News article, she tried to move on to a normal life, but misery followed her a string of failed marriages, and a troubled child now in jail. Colleen also joined and volunteered for Reading's Women Refuge Center, an organization to help abused women. Colleen reverted to her maiden name, Lashley, and became a registered associate social worker and has worked as a mental health professional. Colleen has changed her last name, but Janice and Stan uh, continue to live in California, but they do not communicate with each other. All right, y'all. So... That's it. Whew, that was a lot. I couldn't even begin to imagine what it would be like to be held as a sex slave in a box for seven years. My heart goes out to her and for all the things that's happened since since she was able to escape. I hope she's doing good and I hope that her daughter gets out of jail and I hope she can do good for herself as well. But I just wanted to give you all just a little short episode today I had half a day off so I wanted to try to put something out there because this is a really important case I know that people don't really hitchhike or anything like that anymore but there's so much going on in the world nowadays with um just sex trafficking and things like that um I had a really good friend go down to Savannah for the St. Patrick's Day festival and stuff like that down there and we're pretty convinced that she was actually slipped something in one in a drink in one of the bars that they went into thank god she had some really good people with her who kept their hands on her and and got her back to where she'd be safe it's out there everywhere so everybody just keep your eyes open and keep your head on a swivel but i love y'all and i'll see y'all next time bye